0: Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode.
1: Yesterday, marked a first, we had the first ever Fork Fest game of mini-golf. A lot of people didn't even know there was a mini-golf course here at Rogers Campground. And,
0: and to be truthful, even though they you know, gave us some mini-golf balls and told us where the clubs were, we were uncertain as to what the condition of said golf course was, and whether it was even playable when we when we walked over there, but we were pleasantly surprised.
1: They had the same issue like, you know, we, we were just sitting around talking yesterday about the possibility and I was like, I'm going to go find out if the course is open. So I went in there and asked and she was like, I don't know if it's open or not. I was like, well I saw someone playing a few days ago and she said, well then I guess it's open it's $6 per person. How many you got? I was like, and then the adventure began of finding this place and finding the entrance and all of that because we know it's here, but none of us have Never been down to it or anything like that it was it was surprisingly it was it was probably one of the most wholesome events to ever take place at Fort Fest despite the the large quantities of vodka that were present
0: well yeah we had uh, you know i brought my little uh, portable bluetooth speaker we were cranking rock and roll we had vodka we had you know things we were mixing vodka with and it was a good time all the necessities i'm sorry all the necessities yeah absolutely we were even making up rules as we went along
1: I don't know how bad we were about making up the rules, but we were establishing the parameters of an upcoming ForkFest mini-golf tournament. The Porcupine Freedom Festival chat has just been erupting for like the last 24 hours with these people arguing about this one couple who were nudist, naturalist I believe is the term they prefer, nudity, here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and this apparently bothered a lot of people. Or... A few very loud people about it And I just don't understand what the complaint is I do understand, you know, from the conservative perspective of They are conditioned to associate nudity with sex Because to them, they only get naked for two purposes Or three, rather To change clothes to take a shower, and to have sex. So it's Pavlovian. It's just like the, the Pavlov experience where you ring a bell and then you feed the dog, right? After a, enough of that, every time you ring a bell, the dog begins to salivate, just like every time humans see nudity, they become sexually aroused. We, we've made that association by repeatedly getting that endorphin rush After seeing nudity to break that, it really just takes people being exposed to nudity more often in ways that aren't sexual, but they're not willing to do that to them. The association is so strong that they're convinced that it's it's permanent, right? It's not this association they formed. It's just inherently true of the ringing bell that you're supposed to get food afterward. And it's frustrating to watch this play out. Of course there are people who want to defer to the to the property owners. And I'm like, "Great, let's let's do that because that would be Crosby, mm. and Crosby has never cared." I got a friend who just spent close to $10,000 just on the venue for her wedding. It's amazing to me when I look at that and I think about these people here who are not libertarians mm. who want to get married at Rogers Campground, mm-hmm. to me, that's, that's a little bit sad. It's like, there's nothing wrong with Rogers Campground, and it's, it's a great place to get married if you're a libertarian. Plenty of libertarians have gotten here at, before Porkfest or during Pork Fest or whatever, but for non-libertarians to do it, it just feels weird. I'm like, eh. Fifty bucks for the venues—the best you could afford, really. I, mean, I don't yeah. want to knock them for that. I, I mean, I got married it, it, in a front yard because I didn't care, but think, most people do care about that sort of thing, so it seems weird to me.
0: In these situations, it's possible that they're thinking about their financial future. I always find it ridiculous that young couples, uh, when they do decide to get married, uh, you know, whether or not they're financed by their parents or themselves, uh, they spend these ridiculous sums of money. On the wedding itself. Now, I get that, like for for wives, this is their one day to be a rock star, and you know all yeah. that kind of stuff. So they want to throw a bunch of money at it. But if you're seriously considering building a life together, and you're going to make all this money available to pay for these things, that I mean, really, they're disposable, right? Your yeah. cake is disposable; yeah. it's consumable, right? Well, the, the plastic memories are. Right, and the I understand aren't.
1: being willing to pay for those memories. If somebody wants to be naked, I think that's their right, and I think that should be respected. A lot of, for whatever reason, the accusations in this Pork Fest chat... Meanwhile, we're down there having a good time playing mini-golf, right?
0: We were having a great time. <laughs> it was awesome.
1: Meanwhile, the Pork Porkfest chat has people accusing one another of being pedophiles and stuff like that. And this especially bothers me as a trans person, because the person who's taking the flack here for being nudist, they actually handed out pamphlets and stuff like that about why they chose to be naked. And I'm like, you know, if I was to give out to families and little kids, pamphlets on why I'm trans and why I choose to wear women's clothes or whatever, they'd say that I was grooming kids, right? And he's facing the same sort of accusations here. Mm. And it's all nonsense about the way someone's dressed or whatever. It's like, you've got to allow this person that right to dress however they want, even if that means they're not going to wear any clothes whatsoever.
0: It's funny. It used to be uh, how you knew you lost an argument. If you brought up Hitler first right yeah. Now the new way, at least in the libertarian circle Seems to be If you bring up pedophilia That's how you know you've lost the argument
1: it was very surprising to me to see anyone calling anyone else a pedophile. Over And these were, from what I understand, these were first-time attendees of the Porcupine Freedom Festival who were leveling these allegations. I'm just, that, that meme of, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean guy, or I think it's Pirates of the Caribbean, about to be hung saying, aha, it's your first time, isn't it? That just comes to mind because this sort of thing has been going on at the Porcupine Freedom Festival for a long time. And what's next? You know, open nudity being banned. What's next? Open carrying being banned? A New Hampshire gas station has slashed its prices to $2.38 per gallon, presumably as part of an event to draw attention to the cost of inflation.
0: Does that mean we're going to see offensive tweets from presidents again?
1: Were we seeing offensive tweets from presidents?
0: When the last time gas was that
1: low? Oh. Hopefully? I don't know. It, It would be more entertaining at least. At Simon's Market in Littleton, New Hampshire, right right up here. I mean, right up oh, here by wow. where we're at. Yeah.
0: I know where I'm going to gas yeah. up on the way out. I've got to go there well, later today.
1: It was only for an hour and a half, evidently. It was yesterday that they did this. Uh, it dropped balls. to $2.38 per gallon for an hour and a half. The steep drop in price was part of an event hosted by Americas for Prosperity a fiscally conservative group seeking to draw attention to the cost of inflation on the average American. I want to know, okay, it does say why. This is part of our national True Cost of Washington tour, said Greg Morris, State Director of Americans for Prosperity. People are getting crushed right now by the high costs Of inflation, and I like this because they're accurately using the word inflation to mean an increase in the money supply, and that is what causes prices to go up. Most people, most media outlets, most average your average American understands inflation to be the increase in the prices, and of course, that's not correct.
0: Well, and I'm pretty sure that most everyone is aware of the inflation at this point. Right. It's kind of hard to not be aware of it. So if their goal was to make people aware of it, I think maybe they could have put their efforts elsewhere.
1: It, it probably would have been. I mean, they operated at a loss for this hour and a half. There's no way they didn't, right? They can't recuperate the cost of that gasoline yeah. at that price. So good on them for that. I don't know that I would have done it, but, you know, they did, and it was successful, and it made it made headlines. So there is that. Now, we mentioned uh, yesterday a bit about the, the crisis in the airline industry. Apparently, it's even a bit worse than that, with air travel becoming unsafe, experts say, because of a huge shortage of pilots. So now, it's not just, you know, tedious and difficult and arduous and you expensive.
0: It's, it's not pronounced pilo?
1: No, unfortunately, it is a fact pilot, All right. and you know they're they're experiencing a shortage, and because of this, they're apparently rushing people through their little training programs in order to get them out there flying planes. That
0: seems like a good solution. Well, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs>
1: I wouldn't be opposed to abolishing the FAA and allowing these people to, you know, pilot airline, pilot aircraft without, you know, any pilot license whatsoever. But I would also expect a reduced price to the cost of my airline, to the cost of my air travel if I was going to get in the plane with someone who didn't know how to fly the plane. Captain, you had this story yesterday and we didn't get to it. It's it's about uh, smart, smart dust.
0: dust. Yes.
1: And th- this is a fascinating topic to me because I remember, like ten, fifteen, twenty years ago, the the higher levels of the military they had access to you know drones essentially that were they they weren't as powerful they couldn't fly as far as your average drone but they were like the size of your average house fly
0: right and uh, they could
1: be piloted wherever and they could monitor people from wherever and nano
0: know, drones I believe is the term there
1: I think so and now they've gone even smaller. Uh, And there's the possibility of, you know, smart dust, something the size of a grain of sand or a a speck of dust.
0: Precisely. Uh, Imagine a world, uh, this is from Forbes.com, by the way. Uh, Imagine a world where wireless devices are as small as a grain of salt. I don't want to. That's terrifying. These miniaturized devices have sensors, cameras, and communication mechanisms to transmit the data they collect back to a base in order to process. Today, you no longer have to imagine it. Mechanical or mechanical systems, known as MEMS, M-E-M-S, often called motes, are real. And they very well could be coming to a neighborhood near you. Whether this fact excites or strikes fear into you, it's good to know what it's all about. The optical lenses that are created for these miniaturized sensors can achieve the finest quality of images. The potential of smart dust to collect information about any environment in incredible detail, could impact plenty of things in a variety of industries, from safety to compliance to productivity It's the compliance part that concerns me, of course. Obviously. It's like multiplying the Internet of Things technology millions or billions of times over. Here are just some of the ways it might be used. Monitor crops in an unprecedented scale to determine watering, fertilization, and pest control needs. Monitor equipment. I mean, that sounds innocuous, right?
1: But do they really need smart dust in order to do that? It sounds like, you know, they could just use any sort of technology to do that sort of thing.
0: Well, I mean, farmers have been farming for you know, millions of years. So, you know, what techniques have they been using? Well, this, they're saying that this is a tool to improve upon that, make that more efficient. Uh, they're saying that it can monitor equipment to facilitate more timely maintenance. It can identify weaknesses and corrosion prior to a system failure. Uh, it can enable wireless monitoring of people and products for security purposes. See, that's ah, where the things yeah,
1: That's where things start getting a little bit fuzzy, you know. Monitoring people for security purposes, that's the domain of governments. And that's where they start using technology like this to commit acts of evil.
0: They do talk about the disadvantages of smart dust here. Uh, well, there's the quite a few.
1: To, I mean, we've mentioned quite a few of them already. Just for privacy reasons, you can't I mean if it's if you have a camera in your house the size of a speck of dust then you're you're never going to find it unless it's by sheer accident you're never going to know it was a camera
0: Yeah their their first point is privacy concerns and of course uh, they say all of the things we've already said uh, but they say your imagination can run wild of course regarding the negative privacy concerns uh, about, you know, this type of a thing.
1: Our imagination can run wild because the technology can run wild. Yes. Think about, you know, all of the public bathrooms around there and all of the dressing rooms or whatever, that the perverse was just, oh, I'm going to drop this piece of dust here. No mm-hmm. one will ever know.
0: Yeah, security systems are designed to keep people out or otherwise limit access uh, for people. Dust, however, I think we all know, it's everywhere. It is. Exactly. Anywhere you go, there it is there's more dust so there's no limit to where it can go
1: and we talked about you know the the brain dust that they were going to sprinkle into people it's a bit more that you could inhale the dust by accident or whatever and then just like that you have the the government is GPS tracking your location everywhere you go
0: yeah and you know World Economic Forum they have given talks about those sorts of things getting under the skin and monitoring us that way so this would be a perfect way to do that
1: We live in a surveillance society. We have to assume at all times that hostile actors are spying
0: on us because they probably are. Well, and we know just even from the government's own uh, rules, uh, as they've put them forth, that Uh, They have access to all of our cell phones, our cameras, our speakers, our microphones. Uh, At their behest, they can go to any cell phone company and say, hey, we're the FBI. We need to look at this or we need to see this or we need to turn this camera on or this phone on, even though it's off. So we're already sort of being surveilled at the most minute level by carrying around these devices in our pockets every day, these magic rectangles, as I call them.
1: Sure, but I mean, you could throw those in fairway bags and things like that, that, you mm-hmm. know, block all the, these black yeah. bags that, mm-hmm. you know, just completely seal off all of their contact with the outside world. But even so, y- you can't be sure that the person you're talking to isn't... You know, a hostile actor or that they haven't planted a bug on you without your knowledge or whatever, because they do these sorts of things and there's no escaping it. That's how out of control and unaccountable the government and its agents are. They do whatever they want and there is no accountability within them if they do something wrong. They investigate themselves and clear themselves of any wrongdoing. I want to tell you about this upcoming thing. Uh, If anyone remembers the Judge Whitmer kidnapping case, it was basically... The FBI plotting to kidnap Governor Whitmer, <laughs> along with, like, a handful of people who weren't FBI agents. Right, and they
0: got, like, one guy who was uh, obviously stupid to, like, you know, be the patsy and do their bidding. And, and then, they're, look, we busted this guy!
1: Yes, uh, they they brought they got him really really high apparently and got him you know drunk and talkative and saying stupid stuff and that was how they conceived this plot to kidnap Governor Whitner and the whole thing was insane. Uh, two of the people were acquitted I think because they in chart they in total they charged four people and I think two people were acquitted because they decided that the FBI basically entrapped them by you know plying them with drugs and alcohol and all of that kind of nonsense and the other two had a mistrial a hung jury if I. Recall correctly, which means that, you know, if the government wants to, they could, you know, retry them again. And that's evidently what they're going to do. A judge has ordered a new trial for two accused oh, Whitmer kidna- kidnapping plotters.
0: Isn't there something supposed to protect people from that? Well, it doesn't oh, yeah. count for hung
1: juries for whatever reason. You would think so, right?
0: What does the size of their package have to do with their ability to be a jury? What? <laughs> hung jury? <laughs>
1: Well, a hung jury is a terminology, you know, that means when a jury can't reach a unanimous decision. Oh, hung oh I, yeah. thought,
0: I thought they were commenting on the size of their, you know, genitalia.
1: Both defense teams the ju- urged the judge to toss the charges in a case that had been dogged by controversy and scandal. The defense has raised questions about the FBI's conduct and use of informants, including the indictment of rogue FBI informant Stephen Robeson on a gun crime. So apparently one of their own agents went rogue and he was one of the, you know, key witnesses for the prosecutor. The defense alleged that the FBI agents and informants had orchestrated the kidnapping conspiracy and entrapped the men. And indeed, the previous jury agreed in at least half of the examples and then on the other two they couldn't decide. So they failed to get their, you know, conviction. I think it's an acquittal. I think an acquittal is the right thing to do said one attorney. The other said, "A rational jury in my view could still rule against Mr. Fox, rule against Mr. Croft." No, this was the judge. "We will need to have another jury weigh the evidence." And what what happens if this is, you know, a hung jury as well? Are they just going to continually try these two people until they finally get the conviction they so desire? I think, that,
0: I think we know the answer to that. It seems that way.
1: I would hope at some point a judge would be like, hey, look, no. like I'm no fan of the legal system or the federal government. But I have to say Judge LaPant, LaPlante, who is the judge in the Crypto 6 case, has proven to himself to be remarkably fair and open minded. I, I have to imagine someone like him would, be, would say, hey, no, look, you, you've had your chance to convict these people. You failed denying you a second trial. Defense lawyers spent months raising questions about FBI agent conduct and contending that a team of investigators and informants orchestrated the conspiracy and entrapped the four men, a ragtag band of social outcasts who harbored anti government views and anger over COVID nineteen related restrictions imposed by Whitmer early in the pandemic. That seems like a
0: an odd description. Right? How also, do they? How do they know those things? Or yeah, the ragtag, yeah. social outcasts? I mean, they always describe people like this in yeah. this kind of situation in those ways.
1: Well, it sounds like the defense attorneys painted them this way because you know it's it's the social outcasts that are the easiest ones to target. I those gotcha. are the ones the I FBI gotcha. go after gotcha. to try to entrap. So I think it was the defense attorneys making that particular argument. The evidence presented at trial, even when viewed in the light, most favorable to the prosecutors, and they said government here, and I just want to reiterate that the prosecutors are the government, because this is what federal attorneys do. They refer to the prosecutors as the government, and they refer to the judge as the courts, and they lose sight of the reality that, no... They're both government. The prosecutors and the judge are both on the same team.
0: They both get their paycheck from the same freaking place.
1: And it's very rare. It's not impossible. But it's very rare that you can have an actual federal judge who isn't playing for the
0: government. They're, they're un- capable of being unbiased enough. It should be a conflict of interest by definition.
1: It, well, by definition, it is a conflict of interest. It just want, it's one that everyone turns
0: a blind eye to for whatever reason. Thoughts are not a crime. You can have all the thoughts that you would like to have uh, to yourself, by yourself, from yourself. Your imagination can run wild. And uh, as long as there are no victims, you've not hurt anybody's property, you've not hurt any other individuals, you have done no crime. That's
1: how it should be, right? But that's not how it works here in the United States. And it was the, the Rico acts and all of which Rico I think pertra- pertains particularly to a certain type of crimes related to drugs or, yep. or uh, organized crime or something like that. But ever since the, you know those rulings came out, thought crime has been a thing where if two people sit around and they. They, they talk about how fun, jokingly perhaps, about kidnapping the governor, and one of them jokingly goes out and buys a series of handcuffs. Suddenly, they're both being charged with conspiracy, and it's easy, as the attorney, the prosecutors pointed out here, it's easy for them to get a conviction because they can use circumstantial evidence in order to secure these convictions. And in, in most cases, circumstantial evidence is thrown out or it's it's given decreased weight because it's
0: circumstantial i remember hearing stories of people like like growing up of people who would uh you know sort of threaten the president like you have free speech until you threaten the president and then if you do that they're coming for you then they're gonna kick down your doors and arrest you and you know take you off to lord knows where
1: it's easy for us to not be aware of this, but apparently the worst version of COVID yet is The, spreading. Variant? the doomsday variant. That's what I'm waiting on. I want the no. doomsday variant. Get, just go ahead and get it. give us the Omega variant and let, let all the people who are going to die die, and then let us get back to our lives. Except so we already mostly got back to our lives. I got back to my life. I never put my life on hold. But Yahoo News is asking, can we update our vaccines in time? For the last 18 months, the original COVID-19 vaccines, first as a two-dose series, then as boosters, have done an extraordinary job, shielding us from illness, hospitalization, and death. The heck it has.
0: I have much stronger words for that, but I can't say them on radio.
1: Well, when you're operating under a religious belief, like that the vaccine is a magical show, the vaccine, from what I can tell, is like the the pandemic equivalent of the magic underwear that Mormons wear. It, It magically protects them. They don't know how. They can't explain how. But they believe it does, and therefore it does. Globally, the vaccine saved nearly 40, 20 million lives in 2021 alone. They don't know it's, that. They have absolutely it's no data unprovable. to back that up with. I did not get tested, but I lost my sense of smell and taste for like seven weeks. And that's like, yes, you had COVID at that point, right? And I haven't had it since. No, did, me neither. Oh, and I, I don't think I've even been sick since. Versus people like Pestilence, a.k.a. Mark Edge of the show, who has gotten at least the Johnson & Johnson and either the Pfizer or the Moderna and may or may not have gotten boosted on top of that. Yeah. I, I don't know all of the specifics, but he's he's been sick repeatedly this year.
0: And claims he has what's known as long COVID. Yes. Which, like, I, okay, that's weird because I'm pretty sure he and I got sick at the same time from the same source. And, yeah. you know, I realize. People's bodies are different, so maybe it affects him differently than me, but also maybe because he got boosted, he's having additional symptoms because he got boosted after having the COVID. And nobody has done any research as to what happens to your body if you get uh, the shot or the boost after you've already had it and gotten over it naturally.
1: Certainly not because I mean that brings up a lot of awkward conversations for them right? I mean if you didn't get vaccinated and you got covid you were supposed to drop dead in the streets or whatever and it turns out not a whole lot of people actually drop dead in the streets but it it is peculiar how covid the 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 same person we believe got all of us at Free Talk Live sick. Everyone who got sick, we believe, got it from Michael Hampton, Mm -hmm. who tested positive and was in and out of hospitals at the time. So it's understandable that, you know, he wouldn't become infected with COVID-19 and he brought it to the studio as far as we can tell. Now, I thought the reason that these, that the vaccine against COVID-19 was unique and would actually work against a cold was because of these spike proteins that were specific to COVID-19. And the way they worked was they targeted any virus that had those spike proteins. The argument was, yes, COVID-19 will continue to evolve and all of that stuff. But as long as it has this characteristic that is the spike protein, these vaccines will still be able to recognize it and do something about it. That doesn't seem to still be the case, though, because the, the Omicron variant, as far as I'm aware, still has these spike proteins that are s- specific to COVID-19. So Yahoo News says, for anyone who hasn't been paying attention, that's a bold statement from the mainstream media, whose primary job it is to keep people from paying attention, to feed them lies and other BS. Mm-hmm. The Omicron strain that triggered last winter's massive COVID wave is now extinct. That was BA.1. I don't know what massive COVID wave they're talking about. I didn't, I didn't experience that. In March, it was supplanted by the even more transmissible BA.2 which was supplanted in May by the even more transmissible BA.2.12.1. Is starting to sound like a World of Warcraft patch at well, this point. Well, and it sounds
0: like software, too. And one of the crazy things is uh, when the, hmm, the what they're calling the vaccine uh, was first, uh, you know, sort of publicized. Yeah. We did some research here on Free Talk Live to discover that, uh, in fact, what it is, is it is a platform, a programmable platform.
1: Speaking of LGBTQ things, I normally don't talk about them, but I have this weird article here that got my attention. The straightest guy, Nick Fontes, says that, quote, having sex with women is gay and the Internet just can't with him. Now, this isn't the first time I've seen some some weird statements from straight people. We're like, you know oral sex between male and female is gay because it, quote, puts the male into a submissive role or whatever. I see some bizarre claims from, like, straight uh. people who are terrified of being perceived as gay for, you know, being a man, having sex with a woman. that Somehow, that's gay.
0: I don't know how these people I, come up with this nonsense. That, it seems like complete nonsense to me.
1: It sounds like he would be trolling, right? But evidently, he's not. Well, this is all this uh, particular... It's Queerty.com, so they're coming at this from a leftist perspective. It's assuming they're telling the truth about this guy, and they're probably not. Extreme white, white nationalist commentator, he doesn't look like a white nationalist. He looks like he might be Iranian, or possibly Greek, some some sort of Mediterranean, Mm possibly, or Iranian. He doesn't look like your average, uh, you know, Nick Fuentes, F-U-E-N-T-E-S. I have no idea how to pronounce that, but it's not your typical white nationalist name so i don't know if this guy's a white nationalist or not i'm assuming he's not because it's a leftist calling him a white nationalist if there's anything i've learned having been called a nazi a fair number of times in my day it's that you know they call you that if you just say something they don't like
0: you just heard highlights from the latest episode of free talk live you can download full episodes subscribe to our podcast listen live and more all for free at freetalklive.com.